Well, today we are starting a brand new series called Fearless. And I think it's an appropriate time that we do something like this because we live in a world that is filled with fear. Right now, if you look around, there's fears of terrorism, there's political unrest, there's economic fears, there's even fear of diseases, natural disasters. I can't even say disasters, that's how bad it is. Uh, there's an immigration crisis, there are racial tensions, human trafficking, uh, you name it. We've got a lot of fears that are growing and that are consuming a lot of people in the world that surround us. And while we can't control the situations and the circumstances around us, we can control the way that we respond to it. And we as the church have to make a decision that we are going to rise up and be those who bring the hope and the peace of Jesus to the world that's around us that is being consumed by fear. And we cannot control, uh, I mean, there are things that are going to happen in our life. Jesus says that very clearly. There's going to be troubles that you have in life. But he's overcome the world, and because he's overcome, we can be a people who are fearless. And really, that's the, the gospel answer to the things that we see around us. A.W. Tozer put it so well. He said, a scared world needs a fearless church. What the world needs is for us, the people of God, those who have been adopted into his family, those who have the hope of Jesus inside of us, to rise up, to be salt, to be light, to be peace, to bring joy to the world that's around us in the name of Jesus. But before we can do that, we ourselves have to become a people who are fearless. And so my question for you today is, what are you scared of? What is it that you're dealing with in your life now? What is the fear that is coming to you? Because we all have fears. Two of my earliest fears that I remember, and uh, I'm still not real over all of these. I still struggle a little bit, and it sounds stupid, but all of our fears sound kind of silly when you verbalize them, especially when you have a microphone in front of people. But I remember as a kid growing up on the goat farm, and uh, in the wintertime, I'd have to haul out buckets of water to them because it'd ice over. So my mom would fill up the buckets in the bathtub, and I'd be waiting at the door, and then I'd carry the buckets out to the barn and pour it in there for the goats. And there was this part where it was kind of a narrow path on a little bit of a hill, and it's always packed down and icy, so I'm walking by it, and it's really slippery. And I'm scared because there's these metal cattle panels on the side of me that I'm going to slip and fall, and that as I'm falling, I'm going to yell because that's what you do when you fall, and my tongue is going to catch on the cold metal and rip the skin of my tongue off. So I'm walking by it like... Like, I'm just holding my lips as tight over my mouth as I possibly can. And I'm analyzing it, and I'm saying, there is such a small percentage of a chance that this could ever happen. Why am I perseverating on this? But it was a real fear for me, and I was always scared. I'd be trying to, like, walk by it so carefully. Oh, please, Jesus, if you've ever loved me, if I've ever found favor in your eyes, don't let me rip the skin off my tongue. And the other fear that I had, and this one's equally as odd, but I was afraid of being in a car accident being ejected through the windshield, face first, and grinding my teeth down on the asphalt. <laughs> I'm not scared about what else might happen to me. I'm scared that my teeth are going to get ground down. So every time I'm riding shotgun in the car, whenever they hit the brakes hard, even though I have a seatbelt on, I'm always, once again, I'm like, oh gosh, no, Jesus, no, this happened. Because <laughs> it just creeped me out thinking that my teeth were going to be ground down on the pavement. Now, we all have fears. Some fears are really silly. There are actually over 15,000 clinically designated fears. And I'm going to try to pronounce some of these for you. There's somniphobia. That is the fear of falling asleep. There are actually people in the world that don't want to go to sleep. I have the fear of waking up. I don't know what that one's called, but I love going to sleep and I hate waking up. 
There's heliophobia. That's the fear of the sun. I can understand that one a little bit with my complexion. I get burned by these lights right here. But people are scared of the sun. There's ketophobia. That's the fear of hair, which is probably developed by people who eat a lot of fast food and finding hair in your food is, that's disgusting. There's abophobia. That is the fear of palindromes. There are people who see words like kayak that can be spelled the same forward and backwards, and it freaks them out. Uh, so I hope they never drive in a race car on a level field. Um, a couple of you just got freaked out by that. There's arachibaterophobia, which is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. <laughs> That's a real fear, people. I think my grandpa's dog had that, because he'd always mess with it. You know, he was an old, retired guy sitting in a chair, so he'd just take peanut butter and put it on the top of his dog's mouth and watch and just do that for a really long time. <laughs> There's a... Omphalophobia, that is the fear of belly buttons. I actually am not fond of belly buttons myself. Um, like people, you know, when they poke you in the belly button, I might hit you. Don't, now you guys are going to try to do that to me. Do not poke me in my belly button. It really just drives me insane. I can't stand that. There is vestophobia, which is the fear of clothing. Now I know that we say we're a church for everybody, but I guess that isn't true. Uh, <laughs> If you're struggling with overcoming the fear of clothing, you might want to listen at home online, and uh, then once you overcome this, then you're welcome to come here and be a part of our church. And there's ecclesiophobia, which is the fear of church. There are people that are terrified of church. In fact, one time we had a, uh, a woman who came here a couple of times, and she wanted her husband to come, but he wouldn't come. And so she tricked him and said, hey, let's go see a movie on Sunday morning. <laughs> So her husband came here. You should have seen the look on his face. You thought I was seeing Star Wars and you were seeing me instead. And that <laughs> they never came back. Uh, so don't trick people into coming to church. Be honest with them that we are a movie theater that has a church inside of it. Now, you know what all these fears have in common? Is that none of us were born with any of these fears. We were only born with two fears. That's the fear of falling, which is a good fear to have and the fear of loud noises. Every other fear that you have in your life is a fear that you learned. It was a fear that you acquired. No baby's born with a fear of rejection or a fear of failure. You don't see them you know, going to nurse and like, I just can't do it. What if I can't do this? I'm going to fail. Nobody's going to love me. Like, that's something that we learn. That's something that's acquired over our lifetime. But some fears are actually good for us. And while, when a fear is good for us, what it's doing is it's producing a healthy respect inside of you. Like the fear of a hot stove, that's a good thing. Because you don't want to go up and touch the stove when it's hot or else you will be damaged by that. That doesn't mean that you live terrified of stoves. I don't, you know, like sneak by the kitchen at night scared my stove is going to attack me. I don't live in, in terror or fear of my stove, but I do have a healthy respect for it when it's hot. It's the same with God. We don't live terrified of God. When it says that we fear the Lord and that's the beginning of wisdom, it means that we have a healthy respect for him because of who he is. But I don't live scared of God. I'm not terrified of his presence. I welcome his presence. I want more and more of his presence inside of my life, but I have a healthy respect for him because he's not like me. He's not like any of us. He's holy. He's pure. He's set apart. He's so different from all of us, and yet he loves us. Those are good fears that we have inside of our life. But there are also bad fears that we have. And when a fear becomes bad, instead of producing a healthy respect inside of us that benefits us, 
it produces slavery inside of our life where we're held as a slave to those things that we fear. And it says this in Romans 8.15, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. See, what the Spirit of God does inside of us is it gives us a new identity. It gives us a new mindset. We don't have to live in fear because we're children of the King of all kings. The host of heaven's armies is the one who is for us and he's not against us. We're royalty. You have to change your mindset to understand that. I'm not who I used to be. I'm royalty adopted into the family of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That's the identity that I have. That has to be the mindset that we have because there is nothing that is impossible for our Father. We don't have to live in fear. But what the spirit of fear does is it produces the identity and the mindset of slavery inside of you. It controls our thoughts It controls our actions. It controls our hopes and our dreams. And fear is one of the greatest tools that anyone will ever use inside of your life to make you a slave. And when we hear about slavery, we think of, you know, we're horrified by slavery because it steals the identity, the purpose, the dreams, the destiny, and the value of someone and subjects it to another. And that goes against everything that's inside of our hearts as Christians. We hear stories of people who are kidnapped, even in modern, t- modern times, and they're beaten and they're abused for years and for years. And then the thing that blows our minds is we see people who are living as slaves to someone else, but they're walking about in society. They're walking freely through the streets. They're walking by cops. They're going to grocery stores. They have plenty of opportunities to escape and to run away, and yet they don't. Why is that? The reason is because they're a slave to fear. Fear is a tool that is being used to keep them in chains that no one can see, but still enslaves them just as much or even more than any chain ever could. See, what happens is fear starts with an experience inside of us. There's a failure, there's a negative experience that we have, and we catalog that. We make note of that inside of our minds. For someone that's been kidnapped, like we've been talking about, it's, you know, they're kidnapped. They see that they don't have control. There's someone who's able to exert power and authority over them against their own will. Maybe there's beatings and other abuse that go along with that. And their mind keeps cataloging these things and making notes of it. And finally, it gets to the point of where they have become such a slave to fear that they've given up on the hope of freedom. They've given up on the hope of escape. They've given up on the hope of every dream and the destiny and the value that they have as someone who was created in the image of God. And once someone gets to that point, their captor knows that they can let them walk around freely in society. They can let them walk by cops. They can let them walk to the grocery stores, run errands on their own, and know that they will always come back because of the chains of fear that are holding them as a slave. Elizabeth Smart recounts how she would be uh, out in the woods when she'd been kidnapped, and she would hear people calling her name. She could hear them, and she could have responded and cried out for help, but she didn't because she was scared. She recounts walking by cops and other people who, if she'd cried out, they would have rescued her. They were looking for her, but she never did because she was so fearful of the consequences that might come. She had given up hope on ever being rescued, of ever living any other way. You may not be living as a slave of any human this morning, 
but Satan is still using fear in the same way in your life. Because you have a call of God on your life. Every single one of us do. There are hopes and dreams that God himself has put inside of your heart. There are good works that you were created to do in Christ Jesus. And he's begun to reveal these things to you. He's put hope inside of you for the life that he's called you to. Things that you can do because of who God is and his power at work inside of your life. Things you can do because of your identity as a son or a daughter of the King of Kings. And you might have started living out the call of God on your life, following the dreams that he'd put inside of your heart, but then you ran across a hardship. Maybe you ran across a failure. You felt unqualified. You felt under-resourced. You were discouraged by other people. Things started to happen. There were negative experiences, and you began to catalog these in your mind. And negative experience after negative experience began to produce in you slavery that comes from a fear Maybe it's regarding failure, maybe it's regarding a fear of other people, a fear of rejection, fear of not measuring up, uh, whatever that fear might be. But it's been putting chains around you, it's been wrapping them around you. And eventually what will happen to you, and maybe has already happened, is you've become such a slave to the fear that you've given up that hope that God can do the thing in you that he's been speaking to you. Maybe you gave up hope that there is a purpose inside of your life. Maybe you gave up hope that God can work in the situation in which you find yourself. Maybe you started living as a slave to fear that the enemy has put on you and now he can let you go to church every Sunday, he can let you go into your workplace, into all of the other places that God called you to work his redemptive plan in and know that you will never do anything because he's made you his slave, holding you with the chains of fear. And what you need to know this morning is that this is from Satan. And fear is spiritual. When you deal with fear, it's an actual spiritual attack on your identity and on your destiny. It's Satan's means of controlling you and keeping you from doing all of the things that God has called you to. It's his way of making you give up on the hopes and dreams that God planted inside of your heart. It's his way of making you quit the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus himself has called you to and made you a part of. And when you give up on this, It's not just you that suffers. You're still saved. You're still going to heaven. You have eternity that's waiting for you. But the world around us suffers. The people that God called us to, to proclaim his love and his glory, to proclaim the hope of Jesus to, the world around us suffers when we allow the enemy to use fear as a spiritual bondage inside of us to keep us from following God's call in our life. But Satan has no power, he has no authority. He can't keep you from doing all the things God's called you to. The only way that he can ever stop you from doing that is through getting you to give up on your own by using the weapon of fear inside of your life. And this is the opposite of what it is that God's called you to and the opposite of what the Spirit of God does inside of you. It says in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's what the Spirit of God does inside of us. When we made our decision to bend our knee to Jesus, proclaim that he is our Lord and that we put our faith in him for our salvation, we received the Spirit of God. Every single one of us. And what the Spirit of God began to produce inside of us was power and love and a sound mind. It counteracts all of the things that the enemy had been doing in your life previous to that. 
And what you have to do is to make an honest evaluation of your life and say, am I living out of the spirit of God or am I living out of a spirit of fear? And you can do that easily just by looking and seeing what is my life producing? Because the spirit of God produces power and a spirit of fear produces slavery. We all need power. I love when you look at the apostles and you see them. I love their praying for this. God, give us boldness as we proclaim the gospel as we should. God, would you make us fearless in doing this? God, would you send power to us? And what we see is they go out and they boldly proclaim the message of Jesus. And thousands upon thousands of people are making decisions to follow him. They are incredibly effective at what they do. But what were they doing just a couple of days before they received the Spirit of God? They were hiding in fear because they knew that they were wanted men. That the Roman government and even the Jewish elites were trying to destroy the Jesus movement. But they go in one day from being a people, 120 people that are hiding and cowering in fear to boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to all those who meet, even though they know that it might cost them their life. But what changed? Their circumstances didn't change. Their situation didn't change. They were still preaching the gospel of Jesus under penalty of death. They still know that there were people out there that would try to destroy them and beat them and chain them and throw them into prisons. Their circumstances didn't change. Their identity changed. Their mindset changed. They were freed from the bondage of the slavery of fear that had been keeping them captive. That was the only thing that changed. And they went out and they preached the gospel and they turned the world upside down. You know, you can be fearless. You can be bold in living out what it is that God's called you to. We always want our situation and our circumstances to change. God, when this happens, then I'll finally move forward with what you've called me to. God, when I'm not scared anymore. God, when this person stops being mean or a bully. God, when I don't have to worry about failure anymore. When I know for sure that I can succeed in this, then God, I'm going to do what it is that you put in my heart. But that's not the way that God works. Amen. When he calls you to something, he calls you to step out onto the water even when there's a storm. He didn't tell Peter, hold up, come out here, walk on the water, but first storm, be quiet, everything's still, make little sea turtles come up that you can walk across. He said, step out onto the boat while the storm was still raging. And that's what Jesus is speaking to us today. That thing he's put inside of your heart, that hope that he's put inside of you, you don't wait for the storm to stop. You step into the storm because you are the peace and the hope and the joy that Jesus is going to bring into the storm and the tumult of the world that's around you. We don't wait for our circumstances to change. We wait for God to give us the identity that comes as sons and daughters. And when you make that decision to follow Jesus, you have received it. You have received the Spirit of God. It's time to step out in boldness. It's time to step out as a fearless follower of Jesus. And then secondly, the Spirit of God produces love. A spirit of fear produces hate. Now, if you're scared of spiders because they're ugly, disgusting insects from hell, arachnids from hell. Sorry, i got to get that right. You don't have a desire to feed them. You don't have a desire to clothe them. You don't want to preach the good news of Jesus to them. You don't want to provide health care for them. What do you want to do to spiders? You find the biggest shoe you can possibly find, and you squish them. We destroy the things, and we hate the things that we perceive as a threat to us and to our well-being. What are you perceiving as a threat to your well-being? What do you perceive as a threat? 
because I can guarantee you that you're going to have a trouble in that place loving those people. Because Jesus didn't come down and bring the, the holy shoe of justice to his enemies. That's a terrible analogy. Wow. <laughs> he came and he laid his life down for them. He loved those who hated him. He gave his life for those who persecuted him. And that's what we've been called to as well. If the Spirit of God is operating inside of you, you won't have fear, which means that you won't have hate inside of you. But if you're struggling with hate towards people, then that's always a sign that there's a spirit of fear that's operating inside of you. And if a spirit of, op of fear is operating inside of you, it means that the Spirit of God is not producing fruit inside of you. Because the Spirit of God always produces love inside of us. And Jesus didn't come to make us safe. I think that's what we're always struggling with is the American dream infusing itself with the gospel. And one of the things that's a part of the American dream is that we're supposed to be safe. Uh, we're supposed to be secure. That's something that we're supposed to fight for. It's something that we're willing to trample over other people as my own security and the security of my own family. But that's not what Jesus has called us to. Jesus never promised to make us safe. In fact, Jesus promises us that our life will be considerably less safe if we decide that we're going to live out his call on our life. All but one of Jesus' disciples died proclaiming the good news of Jesus. All but one of them. And they all went on, underwent severe torture and beatings, floggings, imprisonments. They went through hell on earth. But it was so that they could preach the gospel to others. Because their concern wasn't their safety. Their concern was loving those even when they were hated for doing it. Because they saw the true value of every single soul. They knew that Jesus laid down his life. That God emptied the treasury of heaven to redeem a people who were living as his enemies who would persecute him and destroy him. And that's the heart that God has called every one of us to have. It's the heart that's going to be produced inside of us when the Spirit of God is at work inside of us. And Jesus says this, don't be scared of those who can kill your body. Be scared of the one who destroys your soul. We too many times try to preserve our own physical well-being at the expense of our soul. The disciples were willing to lay down their lives because in doing so, their soul flourished. If we value our own comfort and our safety and our well-being more than other people around us, then the enemy destroys our soul. And that's what we should really be scared, what we should really be afraid of. Let the Spirit of God work inside of you to produce a love for others. And then the Spirit of God produces faith. A spirit of fear produces doubt. So you are not meant to be controlled by the spirit of fear because what faith and fear do is they both give you a vision of the future. Faith gives you a vision of what life will look like with the Spirit of God operating in you and flowing through you. The Spirit of faith will show you what it is that God is going to do in your life if you will surrender yourself to Jesus, if you allow the Spirit of God to work inside of you to regenerate your heart and mind and empower you to the call that God has placed on you. But the Spirit of doubt will also give you a picture of the future minus the work of God in your life. Doubt will always limit you to what you're able to do on your own. And what you can do on your own isn't enough to live up to the call of God on your life. 
A spirit of fear will always give you a worst case scenario vision of your future. That's going to make you forfeit the hope and the dream that God has called you to. It was uh, last year when I was dealing with all my pancreas issues and at my third day in the hospital, the doctor came to me and I always remember, and he said, Mr. Brown, I'm sorry to say this, uh, but you have tumors in your pancreas. And right then, the spirit of fear spoke to me based on a catalog of negative experiences that I've had in the past. Having people in my family that have died of pancreatic cancer, knowing other people as a pastor that when you find out that pancreatic cancer and then 98% of them are gone within the next two years. I had a catalog in my mind based on negative experiences that created fear inside of me and instantly my thoughts went to my wife that I was going to leave and my children that were going to be left without a father and the pain that I was going to endure in the short remainder of my life. And that lasted about three seconds. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, choose faith over fear. Amen. And that was the last time I was afraid. Because none of us control the situations. None of us control the circumstances we find ourselves in. We're going to go through hardships in our life. We're going to know sorrow. But we make a decision whether we're going to live with fear speaking to us and painting a vision of our future or whether we're going to allow faith to speak to us and believe the vision that God's put inside of us. And it's time for us today as a church and as individuals to make that decision. Are we going to choose faith or are we going to choose fear? What is it that we're afraid of? What's that area that I need the Spirit of God to work inside of my heart in? You know, 365 times in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid. Because a part of the human condition is that we struggle with fear. Every one of us knows fear. Every one of us is tempted to fear and to put on chains. But God continually speaks to us, do not be afraid. So I want to ask you this morning, what would your life look like if fear wasn't a factor? What if fear wasn't allowed to tell you what you can and cannot do? Those are two questions that every single one of us needs to mull over inside of our minds as we think about what is it that we're afraid of. And I'm asking you these questions, and these are big, important questions that we have, but we're not able to process them right now. I can't just be like, hey, what are you afraid of? What would it look like if you were able to deal with this fear in your life? This isn't the kind of setting where we can do that. But what we have done is we've created fearless groups so that every single one of us can once a week for the next six weeks get together in our fearless groups and we can go through the fears that we're dealing with. Because over the next five weeks, I'm going to teach them five different fears that are common to all of us and how it is that we overcome those. But you need a place where you can process through that with other people in a safe environment where you'll be encouraged, where you're not going to be forced to share it, but you have the opportunity to share and a place where you can be an encouragement and a support to other people. Because we all need someone, and someone needs us. And so I can't stress enough how important it is. Go out there, uh, as, after we dismiss, 
There's a fearless table, and you can go out there. You can sign up for a group. We still have some, especially even tonight. You could say, I want to be a part of it. Sunday night I have open. We have a group that's meeting tonight that you can go be a part of. Uh, and, and every night we have. You can go, and you can find a group that works out with your schedule, and you can get involved in it, and you can really start working on the fears that you're dealing with inside of your life. And you might not recognize the fears that you have right now, but over the next five weeks, I can guarantee you that we will talk about some things that you're struggling with. And you'll need a place where you can process that with other people. So it's a six-week commitment. I mean, I can't, that's about as easy as it gets. I can't encourage you enough. Go be a part of one. I'm a part of one because I still want to process through what I'm dealing with with other people. And you might say, like, you're a pastor. Well, yeah, I'm a pastor, but I'm still scared of stuff. I always wonder every week, is my mic on when I'm singing, uh, when I'm going to the bathroom, stuff like that. We all got fears we need to be delivered from. I have really lost the holy moment there. <laughs> But today we're having a meet and greet, so you can go out into the halls. The leaders will be there with their little signs. If you've already signed up for one, you can meet them uh, and meet the people in your group. And if not, go sign up at the Fearless Table and get in a group meet your people. And this week, start going through what is your scared of. We have a little book that will be for every person to go through and a video that you'll watch. It's going to be fantastic. Um, so let's just stand up. We're going to pray and we're going to close this out have you go out there and meet your group leaders. Actually, group leaders, if you're here right now, go on out there and get ready to meet your groups. And this is the prayer for today, is God, in this place where I'm dealing with fear in my heart, would you make me bold? Would you make me fearless? For the world that's around me, that's perishing, the world around me that needs your touch, God, would you do something inside of me? Jesus, we thank you that you have adopted us as sons and daughters. We thank you that you are victorious over all things, that you have overcome the power of sin, you have overcome the power of death, and that because of that, we can live fearless. Jesus, we pray for boldness to rise in every person, for the Spirit of God to be at work in every one of our hearts, changing us, giving us power and boldness, producing love inside of us, giving us a sound mind. And Jesus, that you would use these next six weeks to shape us and to prepare us for the work that you have called us to. Jesus, that we would rise up as the church of Jesus Christ and go to every hurting and every dark place in our city and in our families and in our workplaces proclaiming the love of Jesus and the gospel answer to the problems that we're facing. God, we pray that you would bring peace to our city through your work in the church. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And real quick, a couple of announcements before we send you out there. Uh, we're going to take up the offering. And uh, one of the things that we've been doing that you guys actually aren't aware of is that we're real big on unity in the church, not just our church, but the church all over our city. And so we like to buy breakfast for people and, and bless them with things like that. We've done that for a lot of churches. So hey, they might not like us or gear us theologically on everything, but we want them to know that there's no way they can doubt the love that we have for them and that we support them. So this morning, right now, uh, remember last week we had the cinnamon rolls from Zingerman's and they were so good. 
good that I called up my friend at LifePoint Church and said, hey, we're buying you cinnamon rolls for your entire church this morning, and they're flipping out. They're happy about that. So thank you for your generosity that allows us to be able to do things like that. And Father, this morning, as we give, we pray for LifePoint Church. Jesus, we pray for uh, Dave Collins. Lord, as he leads that church, we pray that you be an encouragement and a strength to him. God, that you continue to pour out vision inside of him and raise up people around him to share in the labor of that vision. And God, we pray that you continue to bring them people lost, hurting, broken people, people who need a touch from you. And God, that you would continue to cause that church to flourish in our city. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And as those are going around, uh, if you're new here, thank you so much for being our guest today. It was such an honor to have you here with us. You might have received a communication card. If not, you can grab one at the information table on your way out. If you fill it out and turn it in, we have a free Radiant t-shirt for you as a gift to you to say thanks for being here. And uh, then this week, I'll shoot you an email. You just welcome you to the church and see if there's anything that we can do for you or any way that we can be praying for you. Uh, also, we have next steps uh, next week, the Belong class. If you want to know more, more about the vision and the values of Radiant Church, what we're all about, the heartbeat of Radiant, then it's about a half-hour class that meets right after church in the conference room. Uh, you can sign up for that. You can even just show up for that. But it's a great way to get to know more about me and the vision of Radiant Church and see if this is the church family that you belong to. And then stop out there, go out there, meet your fearless group leaders, sign up for a group if you haven't already done so, drink some coffee, eat some snacks, make some friends, and we'll see you next week. Thanks and God bless.